following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. When we discuss intent, the issue is, um, you know, having, uh, did you have intent, let's say, in the case of murder, in, in criminal actions. Here, and where, where, let's say, you didn't have intent, but something, the action occurs. What we want to discuss is really the opposite, converse of that, which is, let's say, your intent was to do bad, but it ends up, you do good. Okay? That's the case here. Now, as we'll see, I, I think in, in legal terms it's called transferred intent. But I'm not so familiar with the, with the legalities in, in American law, but I believe that it's referred to as transferred intent. You intended to do one thing and your action turns out to be something else. So the question is how, how we view that. Um, originally, this, the reason why this question came up, um, well, there's a few sources from the Torah. I'll give you, I'll just give you an example. Um, let's start with the example. So if you see it, it's top of the page here. Um, the case here is, um, this was an actual case that occurred um, in Israel. A guy broke into a car, a car thief stole a car. He outwired it, he takes the car, he goes off and he stops with the car. He stops off for a 7-Eleven, whatever they call it in Israel, to get a drink. And, um, and as he's in the store, the car blew up. Um, meaning there was a bomb, there was actually a bomb attached to this car. Um, so the stolen car explodes. Um, apparently there was some issue with the mafia, of the, with the owner of the car and the mafia. And, uh, and they booby-trapped his car. So now the owner comes and says he wants to get paid for the car. He stole my car, he wants back, he wants um, compensation for the car. And this guy claimed, what do you mean, I saved your life. By me stealing the car, even though my intent was to steal the car, he really, in turn, he ended up saving the guy's life. Because if the guy would have been in his car, obviously, he would no longer be alive. Okay, so that was one question. There was another case that I actually saw. This occurred in the United States, where a, um, a guy broke into the, someone's car, broke the back window to, to steal either items in the car or to steal the car. And it turns out there was a baby locked in the car. This wasn't in Texas. But another case where a baby obviously locked in the back of the car is, is dangerous. So he ended up saving the life of the baby. Um, the question is, does he have to pay for the window? Does he have to pay for the window in that case? Okay, so those are, those are two actual cases that actually happened. Um, what's interesting is, so the, the, the original answer that I thought was a very simple answer was, um, a few weeks ago, we read at the end of Genesis the story of, of Joseph. A famous story with jo where Joseph was sold by his brothers. Um, he sold as a slave. Originally, they put him into a pit. They want to kill him. Right, so if you turn to the back, so I have the verses there. So it's a very interesting thing Joseph tells his brothers. When they finally, when the brothers discover that it's Joseph, when they recognize him after him making them go back and forth, and all story, so they, if you look at the turn to the back of the page here, so it says like this, Joseph tells his brothers. Um, so they're very nervous that uh, once when they realize it's Joseph, then now Joseph is going to take revenge on them, right? Back, back of the, you know. So Joseph will take revenge on them. Why? Because obviously they tried to mess with him. They, they sold him as they, originally they planned on killing him. They threw him to this pit, scorpions and snakes. And then they end up um, selling him as a slave. He's in prison. But at the end, as we know, the end result of the story is he ends up being the viceroy of Egypt. He's the king of Egypt. And he actually ends up saving their life actually ends up saving their life. 
So, uh, so this, if you look at the back, the verses say like this. It says, Joseph's brothers saw their father had died, and they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and return, us, return to us all the evil that we did to him. They were scared of revenge. Okay, so they commanded, they sent messengers to Joseph to say, your father commanded us before his death, saying, so, so shall you say to Joseph, please forgive now your brother's transgression and their sins, for they did evil to you. Please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept and they spoke to him. Okay, so basically they sent the message saying that Jacob, their father, had told them, please forgive the brothers. Which, by the way, we spoke about this in a past session. That is a lie. You never said it. And this is one of the sources that Talmud says you're allowed to lie for the sake of peace. Um, that one is permitted to lie for the sake of peace. So yeah. Jacob never came to Egypt. Unless you could lie to your wife. Well, he did at the end. Did at the end. He did. So at this point, he hasn't come. that he's dead. There's no, that is the... Well, um, the timing doesn't make sense. No, it says that he, before he died, he sent messages. At this meaning, uh, he was down in Egypt, but he. Uh, oh, well, he was already in Egypt. Well, at this no, at this point he was. That's the truth. At this point he was. But he's dead. No, he's not dead. It says before he died, before his death, he wants to make sure that uh, that there's peace. He didn't. He didn't die. He happened to be he didn't die yet. But they're saying they made concocted the story that Jacob was concerned about peace between his brothers, and he he said that they sh they should make peace. Okay. But he didn't, he wasn't dead yet at this point. Yeah, they're just saying, meaning he was worried about it. he's going to die and his sons are going to be quarreling. So therefore he sent this message down to down to, the, to Joseph. But it was a made-up story in either case. Okay. Okay, so, so that's a separate issue that Talmud understands from here that one's allowed to lie for the sake of peace. But that's a separate, separate issue. In any case, continue on. Um, the verse in verse 18 it says the brothers went and they fell before him they said behold we are your slaves they still were nervous they, that he's going to attack them okay so Joseph said to them don't be afraid for, for am I instead of God this is the key word here he says Joseph tells them don't be afraid for am I God he says indeed you're, you intended evil against me but God designed it for good meaning Joseph, Joseph is telling the brothers this whole Events took place. You're right. You tried to mess. You tried to kill me. You tried to, to, uh, to uh, sell me as a slave. You did sell me as a slave. But the whole purpose, obviously, was God. This was all orchestrated by God, for the result, which is that now I'm able to save your life, give you food, and to to bring Jacob down to Egypt and save their lives. So he says, indeed, you intended evil against me, but God designed it for the good, in order to bring about what is at present to keep a greater populace alive. So he ends off, he says, so now do not fear, I will sustain you and your small children. And he, and he comforted them and spoke to their hearts. Okay, so it seems like Joseph would be saying, even though their intent was evil, but since the end result of their actions was good, therefore they're off the hook. Okay, he's not going to do it, he's not going to take revenge. Again, that's what you see from the story, seemingly, that, that Joseph seems to be telling his brothers. Agree? Absolutely. Okay, so... So the question is, so, again, is, is this a proof to a case where you have, again, someone intended to do evil, but it ends up, it turns out, it, the result was good. The result of his evil is actually good. That's the question. So normally, it's just, so it's really, if you think about it, legally, there's two parts. There's the criminal aspect, um, which, listen, at the end of the day, still, this guy stole a car. Um, the issue is the fact that it blew up. So there's, there's, there's a question of there's a criminal aspect. He, he, did it, he did an act of thievery. And then there's the act, the question of compensation. Um, well, I think, I think it's probably different because yeah. Joseph was one wrong, so he had the right to forgive. Right. 
you know, where the guy who got his car stolen didn't do anything wrong. Well, he did. So he didn't have a right. He did something. But, that, but that's to somebody else. He didn't do anything wrong to the thief. It's just totally. They're not. They're non-related. They're mutually exclusive. True, but again. Yeah, he should just go to his insurance company and whatever, be done with it. You know. No, so you're right. You're, you're right in the sense of maybe Joseph has the prerogative to forgive him or not. But the point is, we're, what we're seeing is we're assuming Joseph got it right. That he's, the fact that he's saying, you know, the end of the day, since the result was good, I can't do anything to you. That's okay. the question. Was Joseph correct in that assumption? Are there certain things that you're allowed to forgive and aren't? For instance, a rape. Would you be allowed to forgive a woman's rape? And for whatever reason, she's now okay with it. Can she forgive or is that inexcusable regardless? Well, she, anytime you wrong another human being, that, that human being has to forgive before you repent. Before you get yours... You know that God gives you forgiveness. You always have to repent with another to the other human being that you're wrong. It's clearly, in the case of rape or even monetary payment, you can't forgive. Of course, you can't forgive, but that doesn't negate. Let's say there's a if there's a criminal aspect. To it. Right, criminal. You still, have, you still have to pay, unless the person maybe doesn't press charges. But even in, in Jewish law, there's no concept of pressing charges. If there's witnesses that saw him do a criminal act, he's going to go to jail. For it. But the question here is again, he. Does he have, first of all, there's two parts to it. One is, is it a criminal act? If at the end of the day, he saved this guy's life. Secondly, does he have to compensate? That's a monetary question. Does he have to compensate? This guy wants compensation. He stole my car, I want compensation. Um, give me back my car. Listen, it's not my fault that it blew up. It blew up on your watch, so I want to be compensated. So that's, that's question number two is, um, does he deserve compensation? Okay, so there's two aspects to it, as we're going to see. So... You can't use the concept of half care. If he walks out, his car is gone. He's like, I give up. Whatever, my car is gone. I don't care anymore. And then like the car blows years. up. Well, like no, well, if he gave up on the car, that could be a different issue. But we'll get your point. We'll see. It's well taken. We're going to discuss it in a second. So the, the point is, normally, in, in Jewish law, there's a concept called, um, and we discussed it here in the past, Adam Muad Lo'olam. That means a person is always liable for his actions. There's no exceptions. You can't, you can't blame it on someone else. You can't blame it on your upbringing, on father abused you as a child, or whatever it is, your teacher, rabbi gave bad sermons. We don't blame, uh, you can't blame, uh, you're always liable for your actions in, in Jewish law. The concept that today we see in the American justice system, which people, uh, you, know, they, you know, the guy gets off the hook because he had a spoiled upbringing, he was too rich, he was too poor, he was too that. There's no such concept in, in Allah. Jewish law, you, you're liable for your actions no matter what. You're always liable. Um, except if it's under duress, except if it's a gun to your head. But otherwise, you're always liable for your actions. Uh, it says here, even the Talmud says, even if you sleepwalk, you damage someone's property in sleepwalking, you're, you're liable. But the question here is another question. There's a, there's a case um, the Talmud discusses. The case like this. If you look in corner number two, the Talmud discusses a case where it says, a guy goes to his friend's store and breaks his wine barrel. Okay, the wine, um, well, the guy sells wine, he breaks all his wine barrels. Not all, he breaks a lot of the wine barrels in the store. Okay, a few minutes later, the IRS shows up at the store. Okay, so now, and this, all this liquor was unreported. Okay, federal agents, I don't know if the IRS, whoever charges the uh, liquor tax, so shows up at the store, and all these items were not taxed. They weren't reported. So, so uh, now, this guy wouldn't have broken, now the barrels are broken, obviously he doesn't have to pay tax on if this guy wouldn't have smashed all the barrels, so now he comes to the friend who smashed the barrels and he says he wants compensation. But the guy claims, listen, if I wouldn't have smashed your barrels, you would have ended up paying this major tax, this major tax fee, much, much higher tax fee. Hey, how are you? 
Okay, so we ended up with, uh, give the guy a plate, give him a plate. Right, so in other words, if not for smashing the barrels, you would have ended up, Jeremy, I don't know if you, you might have been at this class. I don't know. Okay, so you would have ended up paying a much higher fee. Um, so therefore, I don't have to compensate him. Right, so says the Talmud, does he have to pay for the barrels that he broke or not? So the Talmud says he needs to pay despite the benefit that the shopkeeper received from him. Even though because I broke your barrels, I ended up um, benefiting because he broke his barrels. Um, so he says still he has to pay. Why? Since at the moment he broke the barrel, he's immediately liable. Any benefit that developed from the theft after that does not retroactively negate the crime. Meaning I came into your store, I broke the barrel. That's a crime. It's a criminal act. Right, so I broke the wine barrels, so that's a criminal act. The fact that it happens to be later on, the tax agents show up an hour later, and now you benefited from the fact that you that I broke your barrels doesn't negate the crime, as we're saying. So as far as the criminal act, he did it, he committed a criminal act. He needs to compensate the person for for the barrels that were broken. Okay, makes sense, David. You good with that? So so here too. Huh? Okay. So here too. Um, one could make the, make the argument, the same would apply here. This thief stole the car. So the fact that there happens to be there was a bomb on the car doesn't, doesn't negate the fact that he stole the car. He committed a crime, he has to pay for the car. Stole his car, he has to return him whatever car he stole. Okay, but um, the rabbi, this was an actual question, like I said, so there's a rabbi in Israel, he answered it like this. He said, the guy doesn't have to pay for the car. And the reason is like this. He said, and similar to what David was saying, he said that when you have it, for example, the, the case the Talmud discusses is, um, let's say I break something that has no that has no value. It's a valueless item. Meaning, Talmud discusses a case where you throw uh, someone takes a vase, okay, a glass vase, throws it out, out from the eight-story window. Okay, then there's a guy on the floor. When it hits ten feet off the ground, the guy, another guy or the same guy for that matter, takes a baseball bat and smashes it. Smashes the vase that's about that's ten feet off the ground. Says the Talmud, the guy with the baseball bat is exempt because he he broke a valueless item. When the thing is ten, when that glass vase is ten feet off the ground, it's valueless because it's going to hit the ground in ten seconds. Yeah, but there's it, right, there's no way you can stop it at that point from from breaking. You couldn't have caught it. Would that have been the same okay. line of thought that would that protect him if he was trying to let's say catch the vase, not break it, and it still broke it, therefore he's not. He didn't make the failed attempt. No, but again, it's a value. Yeah, it's a valueless item. Once that thing I is could, coming I down, that the person was going to die anyway. So the fact I killed him, it was inevitable, and he was already so valueless. We, we'll get to that. That could yeah, be. So it's it's just, like a good Samaritan. It was a like preemptive, right? If no, you but you're right. So, well, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. One second. No, it's not so simple what you're saying. But the point. Let's discuss. Let's focus here for a second. Point is, this vase is about to hit the ground. It's going to sm break into smithereens. So there's no way to stop it. You're right. If you can save it, maybe yes. If you can put a mattress down or, or a, you know, uh, something to, to catch it. But the point is, let's say you can. So now the guy who's breaking with the baseball bat, he's doing nothing. He's breaking something that has no value, and therefore he doesn't have to compensate the owner. Okay. Right. So now let. So the quest. So what this rabbi is claiming is the same thing here. Since this this since this car had a ticking time bomb attached to the bottom, it was valueless. The car was going to explode unless unless you're a good diver or whatever. Right, who can, uh, um, you know, un un I would the bomb. that someone could have found right. the bomb and disarmed. Yeah, right. I'm saying, so I guess, unless you're someone who could dismantle a bomb, unless you've been in uh, Navy SEALs or whatever, right, so this car is going to explode. It was valueless. 
It was, it was doomed to explode in 10 minutes. It happens to be, yes, I stole it. So when I stole the car, if it had the ticket time unattached, what he's saying is you stole a valueless item. The car was valueless at that point. Right. And therefore, he doesn't have to compensate the owner. That's what the rabbi ruled in this case. So what's your question? No, I was going to say this. Yeah, same thing. If uh, the vase had come out the window and the guy threw it up, he destroyed it, it's valueless, and I catch it, and, it's a, and I saved the vase, my vase. It's valueless. Um, I gave up on it. Uh, I'm not sure. Or if I, took the, if I took the bomb out of the car and now I got the car. Hey, the car was valuable because no, no, so I had a bomb like in it. So no, the I point, so well g- gave, gave up on it. It's worthless. Come on now. No, so just because something has no value doesn't mean you can, you can steal it. You might have to compensate. Yeah, compensate for no value. No Hold on. Meaning it's still... Meaning... What do you mean? Somebody throws it out the window. You happen to catch it. He... I don't no, what I'm saying it's not that guy. I'm I don't know. Someone else. He stole. Let's say the, the guy other. on top. No, I thought his example is the guy threw the vase out the window. He happens to catch it. If he wants no, to no, I'm saying, but the guy that threw it out the window is not the owner. Let's say he stole. The guy that threw it out the window was stolen. All right. So now he can. Now he catches <laughs> yeah, it. Can the original owner? His question is right. now. Can the original owner claim All right, the so vase? He wants the vase back or not? So if the thief removed the bomb, can he get the car? He didn't steal it. Maybe Wait, I would argue that it would, only, it would only be allowed <laughs> hey, to keep it, it, it was if the original owner had already given up hope. If the original owner saw the boss go out the window, he's like, oh, lost the boss. Oh, you catch it, it's gone. Right. Ah. He's good, he's good. Send him to Yeshiva. This guy's good. What if you sell sugar instead of cocaine? <laughs> and what happens? What do you mean? I'm saying if you're set right. up, right. they're trying to catch a criminal. When you sell, and they give him sugar, the guy thinks it's cocaine, he's selling cocaine, does he get busted for drugs? So it's, it's a similar question. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah, but that's a thing. Legally, that's where intent would come in. And right. say, yeah, but in Jewish law, I'm asking. Right. So according to what we legally, he didn't break any laws. He didn't sell any illegal act. He didn't have to be. No, but the sting, right? So the FBI, that's how they sting you. Right. The FBI traps you. That's how they have these. These. Uh, uh, they, they always have these I think things. He could get off. Is a drug deal? Well, I don't no, know. No, no, as a, no, as a, as a lawyers here speak up, do you get off on that one? Because you didn't really commit a crime. No, but it was intent to commit a crime. Did he mm-hmm. actually I, commit I the crime? The whole, oh, if you could get, if you're in trouble for intent, then we're all. I might as well lock everybody up. No, but it's up. true. You get in trouble, right? If you, if there's intent, in that case, you go to jail. The question yeah, is, you go to jail for what? You didn't kill him. For what do you go to jail for? Do you go to jail for That's selling right. drugs or no. for intent? Yeah. Intent. Yeah. You, there is you. You're, there is you go to jail for intent. So that's what we're saying. In, in halacha, you don't go to jail. Bad criminals are still criminals just because you couldn't pull it off. Okay. So now, so in this particular case, you're saying in trouble for what you think. Meaning it's it's different. Let me explain also the difference between the the tax case where the barrels of wine. In that case, we say you do have to pay. Right over here, we're saying by the by the car, you don't have to pay. What's the difference? Because over there. Since the, you know, what he says is he explains the difference as well. He says because the in the case of an IRS agent, you know you don't always get fined. There's ways you go to court. You know you can get out of it. You have a good lawyer. You have a good tax attorney. Right. So there's there's no it's not it's not a hundred percent that those barrels that he would have been charged that price. And so it's not like a ticking time. Meaning he's assuming if you have a ticking time on a car, it's for sure gonna explode. You're right. If if you happen to be a Navy SEAL, so then there was a way out, and it wouldn't be right. And he could he could claim you have to compensate me for the car because I could have took the bomb. If it would have been me, I would have found the bomb. I could have took it off. And in 99.9 percent of the cases, the bomb's going to explode. And therefore, he's saying the car is considered valueless, as opposed to the wine barrels. Just because the agents, the tax agents, came into the store at a later point, doesn't make it that the the barrels were valueless because. 
you don't know what fine they would give if they're going to maybe have a nice, that's possible, quote-unquote, a nice IRS agent who won't give you such a bad fine. So, so that's the difference in those cases, okay? So, but, but as far as ownership is concerned, meaning, and I'm not sure about this, meaning just because something's valueless doesn't mean you're allowed to steal it. It just means you don't have to compensate the owner. But I'm saying if you catch it, what I'm saying is, let's say you have something in your house that's valueless. I can't break into your house and, and steal it just because it has no value. If I steal it, maybe I don't have to compensate you monetarily because it has no value. There's no assessed value. A zero says value. Let's say you have a, a car, an old clunker that's, that's... Who determines the value? Who determines that's the value? That's a good value? question. Well, you I'll give you an example. An example. When I... When I I'll give you an example. When I uh, had a car accident, so the insurance companies had an old van. It was a 98, I think, a 98 minivan, and uh, had a car accident. So the insurance company, they judge, they, they just say, I want for them to fix it. So they just pay you the value. The value when the value is more is more expensive or cheaper. Sorry, when the value is cheaper than, the, right. than fixing it. So they just right, they total. Right. So I called my insurance company. I said, Listen, it was a great van. The guy told me he can fix it without a problem. It was a good van. It was a Japanese van. It was had another two hundred thousand miles <laughs> easily. Right. So so I went to the insurance company. I said, I'll pay. What can I take it? And then you can just subtract the value. So now the point is that so this van basically now is total, it's valueless as far as insurance companies concerned, value. But it doesn't mean if someone steals it, they're not arrested for being a thief. So just because something has no value doesn't mean I still own it. I, I can own things that have no value. Value just affects the compensation of the item. So what I'm saying is in the case of the vase, I'm just answering your question, you guy threw the vase out the window. So it's 10 feet off the ground, it has no value. So if I smash it with the bat, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong because I, I don't have to compensate you because it has no value. But if you catch it, you still have to return it to its rightful owner because it still belongs to the only, owner. Only, Just because it has no value doesn't mean it doesn't belong to someone. Only if the owner is not the one who threw it out the door. The owner threw yeah. it out the door. He gets the yeah, company. of course, yes. Right, well, I'm saying. But, but you know, right, the guy threw it out, and obviously he's showing No, well, yeah, I'm the just saying, the owner comes along. along. No, but let's say, uh, what I said is, let's say it was a thief threw it out. Yeah, because the guy stole it and threw it out. Thieves throw things of value out the window. Thieves are not this smart. Okay, so the guy, whatever the case is, the guy threw it out, he wasn't the owner. So if he catches it and the owner comes along and says he wants it back, he has to give it back. That's my point. So value connotates whether it's a crime or not? No, I'm saying the opposite. Just because value something compensated. Uh, okay, so, so if somebody, somebody has no value, doesn't mean somebody's you can steal. a thief and a worthless human being that hurts other people, whatever. His life is valueless. We could go kill him, and there's yeah. no there's no trouble with there's that no because there's no value. There's he's no worth value, it. It's negative value. His life may be valuable. Uh, to thank God you weren't. Thank God you weren't an attorney. Negative value. Wait, is it negative value? How do you reciprocate someone for something that's valueless? You, you can't. That's my point. You can't compensate them, but you can give them the item. They want the item back. Listen, there are many people who have things that is valueless, but for them it has value. Right? Yeah, we got No damages. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, it's not a contradiction. You understand? Don't cry. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, right, do you understand the difference? No, I Compensation, agree. monetary value, and ownership are not... Something can have zero monetary value and have... And it could be, it could have an owner. Something could have, be worth millions of dollars and have no owner. One has nothing to do with the other. And if I steal something, that, if I take something from an owner, that's a thief. So in this case, again, he's saying as far as compensation, 
he does the thief of this car that has a ticking time bomb doesn't have to compensate the owner because the car was quote unquote valueless because it had a ticking time bomb attached. In ten minutes it was gonna be that it was gonna be smithereen. Right. Okay? So now um and insurance, uh, we spoke about this in the past. The fact that he, if he had insurance or not, that's irrelevant. Um, because the fact that, you know, I can't walk into a bank, rob a bank, and say, oh, it's FDIC, they have insurance, so therefore I didn't commit a crime. They're going to get paid back their money. Obviously, insurance doesn't play a role in the, f- it's still, I caused you a loss. Yeah, the fact that insurance can No, pay. the car's going to, if someone steals your car, an act. the oh, insurance please. is going to cover you the cost of your car. Yeah, but fa- I still am a criminal. I still commit an action. Yeah, but then you go that's, you go to jail. You don't have to pay for the car. Criminals sure, don't pay sure, for what I they do. That's true. They're liable. Of course you They're liable. liable. But criminals are liable for stuff? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Did somebody steal from you before? Yeah, all the time. Right. And They're so never liable. They go away. They're liable. You can sue them. You may not collect. Yeah, they don't and have there's the money. a criminal case, and then you have your own civil case. You have civil claim. Okay, so... So technically that guy, well, if he didn't have insurance, his insurance company could sue the guy. Correct. Because technically the value would pass. The insurance company can go after the other guy. They do. They always do. Sure. Okay, so now, just getting back to... uh, So I'll give you another case. Um, So this is is an interesting question. The question is like this. The Talmud discusses... um, You like this one. Let's say you you uh, go out to a kosher you go out to a non-kosher restaurant, God forbid, right? and uh, you're eating in a non-kosher restaurant. I you, I wouldn't accuse you. So if you're eating in a non-kosher restaurant, you order what you think is, uh, is pork chops, okay? And you're sitting there salivating, uh, all excited. You're eating your pork chops, and it turns out after the meal, the guy says, "By the way, that was, uh, was actually was kosher meat." It was. Actually, it was. It was actually lamb chop. Okay. Okay, so you so you thought you were doing the sin, like you intended you intended to eat pork chops, but it turns out it was lamb chops. Okay, so question is, did you did you do a sin or did you commit a sin or not? At the end of the day, did you commit a sin? I had lamb chops, kosher, glad kosher lamb chops. What would you say? Yes. Don't get personal there. What? You did commit a sin. What's the sin? I had lamb chops. Don't eat pork chops. I didn't eat pork chops. I had lamb chops. No, because you can look at it the other way around. I go there and I order kosher food and they serve me treif and I ate it. Did you commit a sin then? No. That's the opposite That's an unintentional sin. So it's unintentional sin. Unintentional sin. Over there, that was a sin without intent. That's the opposite. And the other one is no sin with intent. (laughs) In the times of the temple, you'd have to still have to bring a sacrifice. You still have to, that for sure, you have to repent unintentional sin you have to repent the question here is I intended to sin but I didn't at the end of the day I didn't <laughs> sin similar to this case uh, maybe you can oh, say you shouldn't have to pay for unfulfilled sin that's a good question because <laughs> again uh, a person's always liable for sin. You should, you should at the end of the day you sin <laughs> you did a, you, you ate pork chops well, it's the opposite case I went to a kosher restaurant and they thought I was eating lamb chops and they served me pork chops yeah, in that sir. case so you, you committed a sin it was unintentional but you committed a sin you should have been more careful. You should have checked out the restaurant before. So you're the lesser sin? So the question, but this is... <laughs> here's a, no, no, of course the lesser sin. No, you have five years. Yeah, it's unintentional. You can't, you're not, you're not liable. It's not a criminal action. I mean, you can't hold you liable. You have to bring a sacrifice to when they when they rebuild the temple. So, well, <laughs> so let's just say it's temple times and I'm going, it's Shabbat, and I say, you know what, I want some hot food, I'm going to make a fire. So I get there, I got my sticks and whatever, I'm going to make a fire. But for the life of me, I can't start the fire. I failed in right. breaking the Shabbat. Are you still liable? 
No, so there you didn't do anything. You didn't end up doing any action. You're an idiot. But he was <laughs> no, but he intended to sin. I he intended to. Yeah, but I'm saying, let's say I think that's that sort I of wanna, an intended to You know, trait. I want to kill my ex-wife, but I never did it. So I'm well, that's different. Attempted murder. No. <laughs> no, I'm saying an attempt. It's not attempted. No, you didn't do anything. If you didn't do anything, you didn't do anything. Well, by you did an action. Shoot you in the leg on accident. No, okay, that's something else. But no, that's still salt. No, that's Dick Cheney. Okay. The point is here. You intended. You did the action. You went through with it. I thought I was eating pork chops, and I ordered the pork chops off the menu of salivating I thought so excited I called my friend having portrait and then uh, it turns out that it wasn't it was what if you don't flipped. pull it off it's anonymous no if you don't pull, pull it off you don't pull it off okay so what, what's the answer on that so, what's the answer so what for the so what do you the, say the, the, the non the, the unsuccessful sinner the, the unsuccessful sinner it center. seems like a sin to me if you're going to sin the unintentional sinner then this guy this to me is a lot stronger because you have the intent to sin What's the answer to these two things? So what's your yeah. opinion then? We got time. We got 20 minutes left. Uh, <laughs> 20, 20, 20, 20 minutes left. I gotta stretch it out. We got to for 20 minutes. Okay, so so this is the story. So the, the Talmud says like this. It says there's a verse in the Torah. Talmud says that you're liable. You have to repent for that action. Okay, how does it know? So it sources like this. It says there's a verse in um, in in Numbers. The verse is talking about vows. As we know, vows is a very serious thing in Jewish law. If you take a vow and then you don't keep your vow, whatever it is, you promise to give, you know, five thousand dollars to JI and you don't keep your pledge, you're very bad. Yeah, that or sacrifice okay. a goat. <laughs> okay. So so taking a vow and not keeping your vow is, is, is a serious matter in Jewish law. So the Talmud says a fascinating thing. It sounds a little sexist, but I'll explain it's not so sexist. It's not as sexist as it sounds. It says that if a if a woman takes a vow, married woman, so if it's something that it can affect her relationship, her marriage with her husband, let's say she vows not to take a shower for a month, okay? Um, so if it's something that can affect the relationship, um, so so the husband has the prerogative to un, to to annul the vow that same day, okay? It's a, it's a verse in the title. It says like this, if you look in the quote here, number five, it says, um, it says, in hafer yaferotam, Okay, if the husband revokes them on that day, meaning the day he hears of his wife making a vow, if he revokes it, it's his prerogative. Again, only a vow that can affect the relationship. If it's something that's serious, that uh, let's say she says she's going to spend uh, $10,000 in loans this month, okay, so then that can affect the relationship, maybe, depends on your marriage. So, so then he has the right to revoke that vow. Um, that's what the Torah says. So in theory, if your wife refinanced your house, and you're like, no, don't do it, you could actually... If she makes a vow to do it, meaning if she vowed to do it, I'm talking about if she signed the contract, then you screwed. I mean, yeah. Why well, no. What is a vow? Is it a vow just your word? Well, she's saying it has to be the language of a vow. I promise. But a vow on a contract in biblical No, a contract thing. is a contract. No, a contract is something else. Then you're obligated. You have to go that to the other person, the other party involved. That's a separate. That's a Give business. me an example where that ever happened. Contract. Between a contract and a vow in biblical no. times. I'm saying a vow is just a, a, an oral commitment to something. I said, um, I said I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to have ten pieces of chicken today. So now I, I promise to have eat ten pieces of chicken. But if your That's wife writes on a contract, hey, I will not use the shower for thirty days, and it's a written contract that actually supersedes the vow. This laws. No, I'm saying if it's a contract to another party. You said if she, if she refinances the house, give me, give me a, she goes a, to the a bank and she signs a contract with the bank. Contract. I'm sure what, what, what. 
<laughs> I didn't sign it, but if I read the contract, I'm like, oh my God. No, no, I'm saying it has to be, a con- if it's a contract with a third party, what I'm saying is, then you're obligated to the third party. It's nothing to do with the vow. Oh, so you can't annul the vow yeah, to, to somebody third, else. Yeah, I'm okay. saying if she's committed to a third party. You just, what was your question? Give you an example of what? Yeah, give me an example. This is one, one that your wife or a woman might vow to do something that you would said. It's a vow between God. But she would never make yeah. that vow that she's not going to shower for 30 days. What? Give me something realistic that where this would I come into play. She, she says she's going to go to loan, you know, she's spend $10,000 on a credit card. Day to charity they and just you're like, do it. No, they never not. say it. Okay. Yeah, where's, some vow? where's a vow? Where's some, you know, this they, they don't want to be shut down. What, 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 what a, a pledge to a charity Yeah, technically you say No, because she, she then pledged it to somebody else. It's a, yeah, it's but again, it's not a written contract. So she's only bound by the vow. The point is we're trying to find the case. She's only bound by the vow. It's not a contractual obligation. Okay. Contractual obligation with a third party, that's a whole different, that's business. That's a business issue. That's not a, this okay. is a spiritual issue. The Torah says you can't violate you, your vow. Okay, contractual issues. All right, so, so if you can invalidate your wife's vow, can she invalidate yours? No, that's the sexist part of it. <laughs> okay, so so uh, so the point is, right? So again, if it's something that affects the relationship, so then the husband has the prerogative to invalid, to revoke the vow only the same day. By the way, once 24 hours passed and he heard the vow, he did revoke it. He's stuck. Oh, if he hears about right three days later. No, it's when he hears about. a good question. Yeah, I'm assuming it's when he hears, but I don't know. It's a good point. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. So anyway, well, but the Torah says like this. Very fascinating thing. The Torah says. It says in Hebrew, I'm reading in Hebrew, it says like this, uh-huh. if he revokes, the husband revokes the vow, on the day he heard it, all, all issues from her lips, all, everything that issued from her lips, that she took a vow, to impose prohibitions on herself, the vow doesn't stand. And then the, the verse ends off, the, the uh, husband revoked it, and the Lord and the God shall forgive her. Okay, so the Talmud asked the question, that's a beautiful story, but what, what does God have to do with this? Why does God have to forgive her if the husband revoked the vow? She says, there's no vow, so now what's the problem? Why does she need forgiveness from God? That's the question. As we know, the Torah doesn't mince words. The fact the Torah says, and God shall forgive her, what does she need forgiveness for? She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't disrespect him. What she said, she, she took a vow. That spend was money and loan. That's not disrespect. In violation of that's, the relationship. That's fine. Well, it's just a Jewish marriage. Women are allowed to disrespect. So back in biblical times, when the wrong bride came up to uh, <laughs> to uh, um, get married, Jacob. and he was tricked, he could have he could have axed that marriage right away, and he didn't have to go to work for seven years. Oh, that's again. No, no, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, that was that was a mistaken sale. I mean, that's forgetting that this. That's mistaken sale. He got the wrong deal. I mean, wrong. I mean told him I'm giving him one thing, if at any time I sell you something and I, I tell you it's one thing and you get something else. Of course, else, his alternative was mistake wouldn't have either. Or he could have been. Yeah, but it's still it's a mistake in sale. There's no question he didn't. Right, so he, he could have put the kibosh on it right away. Yeah, for sure. That's, but that's a whole different story. Good, good point. <laughs> okay. Of course, that was written. That was before. That was written yeah, before but still, I'm saying it's technically it's <laughs> a mistake in sale. that was the reason why they put that law in there. Yeah, mistake, total mistake in sale. So here the question is, so again, why does it have to say that God... Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> bringing up great points. Okay, so the time to look at oh, quote no, number six. I was trying to think of a way to make Abraham liable to his dad for smashing all the idols. Like, okay. Hey, he is. By, uh, by no, you're, you're obligated to smash idols. We'll no, no, but Abraham smashed the idols. He, he, Obviously, but he's obligated his dad could have sued him. Can we move exactly. back to intent for one second? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're getting to, yeah. Well, no, I have yeah. a question. Yes. So there's plenty of um, people that keep Shabbat that figure out ways to circumvent Shabbat. For example, they have... Time clocks. 
they have time clocks put in the TV on so they can watch the game. I mean, so they're, not, they're not hitting the button, but magically it just goes on. Right, so again, so where, again. Where's that? So, the, so that's, ah. now, again, and this is, it's re relevant to what we're saying in the sense of to, the Torah is a science, it prohibits an action. So if I didn't end up doing that action, let's say, can the case take the case, go back to the pork case. So I, Torah says, don't eat pork chops. At the end of the day, I didn't eat the pork chops. So technically, I did nothing wrong. We'll see, there was a, an issue of intent, we'll get to in a second. But in, in the case of Shabbat, Torah says, don't kindle a, a fire on Shabbat. So as long as I'm not doing the action, like if I, if I set the time clock... Watch the game? Yeah, I set the time clock from before Shabbat, what's the problem? I didn't do any action on Shabbat. So that's my point, you can't change yeah. the channel. Right. <laughs> so that's so there's no intent there to violate Shabbat. So there's no action and there's no intent. You can there's watch nothing. the college football game of your choice anytime you want. It's programmed to go yeah, on. Right don't channel. tell you what. Oh, you don't call me to your wife. These with multiple games, so we don't get watched right. multiple games. Right. So you can still technically you can. Listen, you can it's in the spirit of the book. law. <laughs> it's an issue of. Uh, it's not in the spirit of Shabbat. I mean, you should be going to BJC for services. But I'm saying, but it's not in the spirit. Services are over. It's two in the afternoon. So technically. Technically, there's nothing wrong. Is, is it in the spirit of the law? No, you shouldn't be spending time with your family, with your wife, kids. But, but I'm saying, but that's, but that's not. Technically, you did nothing wrong. Did no violation. My sister actually if you has change a, the channel. Then you have a problem. Yeah, my sister, by the way, has a computer program connected to all every single switch and outlet in her house. And it's, she built a house like, <coughs> and she programs everything is programmed for Shabbat. She got stuff going on. No, I mean it's like a <laughs> circus. It's like uh, every every outlet, every everything is connected, and she each one can have different times. It's all in one program. It's unbelievable. And she has even like a candle lighting time. Every the whole house starts blinking, all the lights, oh. candle lighting, <laughs> like ten minute warning, like a two minute warning. It's the coolest thing. Nothing wrong. Hundred percent. So intent does not matter. No, there's no intent there. You're not violating. There's, even there's, there's not even intent. Your intent is to circumvent the law. Yeah, circumventing the law is fine. Not, as long as you're not violating the law, it's like any tax. You oh. say, you're allowed to take a they, tax shelter amount. Yeah. That was mold. What? Ovens that now have oh, yeah, they have the kitchen in. No, but that's... Uh, but that's like uh, Shabbos elevators that just stop on every floor. So right. You don't yeah, push so there's a button. no violation. Right, there's nothing happening. Okay, i got to finish this. So the, the point is... <laughs> you're talking about cell phones that have a Shabbos? Are you talking about cell phones? No, they don't have a Shabbos. 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 They do have, by the way, um, a telephone, uh, Dr. Cutler, a pediatrician in town. Chabad, he has... They have a phone that you don't violate Shabbat. It doesn't close any circuits. Some phone actually was invented from Menachem Begin. He was showing Shabbat. He was Prime Minister of Israel, so he, he Prime Minister, got to pick up the phone on Shabbat. So he invented a phone for him that doesn't violate Shabbat. There's no, I don't know how it works exactly, so you can buy it online. That's a string of two cups. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so uh, by the way, last, uh, last week, uh, Bibi Tanya was in the Netherlands. He was in... Uh, for the Davis conference, and he walked three miles after the meeting back to his hotel, Shabbat. He didn't, he didn't drive, just to give him some credit. Anyway, but uh, but the point is like this. So so the, the, what it's saying here is, so again, why does God have to forgive? So says the Talmud, that's the Talmud's question, quote number six, says, for a husband and elder vow, what, what's the need for forgiveness? Says the Talmud, it's referring to a case where the woman took the vow, let's say not to drink wine. That was the case that gives us an example. This might be your example. So she took a vow not to drink wine. Okay, now the husband wasn't happy. He wants to go out and party. Okay, so he annulled the vow, but she didn't know that he annulled the vow. So the wife didn't know. And so that night she decides she wants to party and she goes out to a bar and drinks wine. 
okay? So she thought she was violating her vow, but the husband really had annulled it already without her knowledge, okay? So, I mean, there was intent, again, it was her intent was to violate the law, to drink the wine, even not though she took a vow. Violate her vow. Right, to violate her vow. And so not knowingly, herself. she wasn't really violating her vow because the husband had already annulled it. Okay, so says the Talmud, that's what the Torah is talking about when it says God, sh she needs, that God forgives her, it's for that case. That meaning she's implying that she needs forgiveness from God. That means even though she didn't really violate her vow technically, she still needs some form of forgiveness. What about forgiveness from her husband for violating the vow? Just because, you know. No. Well, first no, of all, she made her own fine. vow. She was right. she supposed to do, flog herself? You know, like, you know, like, who cares? <laughs> you violate a vow to yourself. No, that's the point. He a gave permission to drink, but call it New Year's Yeah, everyone's going to wind up having to go do something. A vow is a vow. As the Torah says you got to keep your vows. Okay, so the point is, you see from here, what the Talmud says is, in a case where you went to the non-kosher restaurant, thought you were eating pork chops, and ate, and were eating lamb chops, you need forgiveness from God. Again, obviously it's not the same level of violation. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So it's obviously not the same level of violation as eating literal pork chops, but you're going to pay for it when you get up there. Okay, so that's the point. I mean, the point is, in, what you see, it seems to imply from here, the Talmud saying is, intent to violate something, even though your action at the end of the day is not a violation, you're still, in a certain sense, there's still something wrong with, what, with your action. Okay? What if you go to a restaurant, you don't know it's crave? That was the other question. That was, well, that was the question. Right? Meaning you thought it was kosher. You didn't, you didn't know either way. It turned out to be kosher. Okay, so now... Go to McDonald's, you say you order a milkshake. It turned out to be kosher, but you didn't know when you bought it either way whether it was kosher or not kosher. Well, well, that's a good question. Well, that depends on a lot of other factors. Meaning what uh, what needs to be kosher, what doesn't need to be. Well, technically it's not a kosher restaurant, so everything's not kosher. Right, I'm saying if the, right, yeah, but assuming you aren't sure, listen, the, the way the rule of thumb is, by the way, tell you, it's no, a good question. You can eat kosher food in a non-kosher restaurant. You know, that depends well, it depends. So, so the rule of thumb, let me, Ellie, let me explain. The rule of thumb is if, when you're talking about a biblical law, so we're always, you're, you're, we're always err on the side of caution. We're always more stringent. So let's say it's a biblical, let's say it's you're eating, you're not sure if it's a cheeseburger, you're not sure if it's vegan cheese or real cheese. Okay, so in that case, since the cheeseburger is a biblical violation, if they're cooked together, meat and milk, so therefore you have to you have to be stringent if you're not sure. If it's a rabbinical law, so then you're allowed to you're allowed to be lean. That's the so like that's the principle. Burger, right, so Parmesan chicken. If you're not sure if the che if the cheese is vegan or real, you can eat you can eat the chicken. If you're not sure, because it's only rabbinical. Parmesan chicken is only rabbinical. Beef. Yeah, in order to be biblical violation, it has to oh, be well, cooked together. Just put the cheese on that. Right, but if it melts, it that's like cooking. It might be cooking. It depends how hot it is. It gets so you complicated. Eat, you can eat meat okay. together. It's cold. You could eat a cold cheeseburger. Technically speaking, yeah. I mean, again, biblically speaking, yes, for sure. I'm learning so much. Biblically speaking, or yes. Or you can eat a cheese. Or, as my out, you can eat a cheeseburger as long as the cheese was made with breast milk. It's barf. <laughs> we have Sorry, lots of that. That's okay, barf. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Just gotta get the churn. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, Okay, so the point is, um, again, that's quote number seven. So again, this is a case a person meant to eat pork accidentally and lamb. Okay. So by the way, listen to this, just to end off this beautiful story. Talmud says, this case of where a guy meant to eat pork accidentally ate lamb. So the Talmud says, Rabbi Kiva, when he would read this verse in the Torah of uh, that God needs, has shall forgive her, he would always cry. So he asked him, why is he crying? So he says, listen to this line from Rabbi Kiva. He says, if a person who meant to eat pork but accidentally ate lamb needs forgiveness, how much more so does a person who meant to eat pork and actually ate pork need forgiveness? 
So therefore, it says Rabbi Kiva would cry whenever he read this, this verse. Shalom.